All right, we are continuing in our new thing series. David is going to um, be talking from Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasana'ah. They, they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshelam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pasea, and Meshelam, son of Besodea. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite the his house, and Hattush, son of Heshabniah, made repairs next to him. Malchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. Thank you, Cindy. Actually, today's passage is all of chapter 3 of Nehemiah, and in part, I was not having Cindy read all 32 verses, just doing 12, because I wanted to see her like, handle those names, but not like totally like skewer her, but she actually did a great job. Way to go. I should have had you do the whole thing. That was pretty good. Yeah, we're doing all of chapter three. I wonder, for those of you who've been a part of uh, church for any number of years, if you've ever sat in on listening to uh, Nehemiah chapter three being read, uh, if you have your Bibles, could, I would encourage you to continue looking throughout the, the chapter because we're going to be covering uh, all of it, although, um, you know, talking about it as we go. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is David. I'm the lead pastor here at Current. Today is Serve Day, as Cindy was mentioning. Uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, on the surface, this text could seem uh, quite tedious in terms of all the names, all the assignments, uh, all the tasks and roles that are, that are out there and just kind of listed off. Uh, but uh, under the surface, uh, this is just a beautiful picture of God's people collectively coming together to work uh, for His purposes. Um, so we're going to consider that today on, on Serve Day. I had, I had something very unique happen to me this week. Uh, while I was preparing the sermon, actually in the middle of writing the sermon, I got an email, which I don't normally check emails when I, after I start writing a sermon because I'm just kind of in do not disturb mode. But I happened to check my email, and I got an email from one on our staff, our music director, Chris Kim. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read this. And uh, what, what Chris and I do on a weekly basis is on the, at, the, at the beginning of the week, we, we look ahead at the Sunday, uh, the upcoming Sunday, and we kind of plan through the flow of the surface and what, what we're going to do today and how it's all going to come together. And what I'll often do with Chris 
is just kind of bounce off different ideas of what I'm thinking about, where I'm headed, so he can be preparing the songs and, you know, what, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And so Chris sent this email. I read it, and he said, hey, David, I don't know where you are at in the sermon writing process, so feel free to disregard if you've already started, but I had an idea of what you could possibly cover on Sunday. And at this point, I'm like, no, 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 I'm already in the middle of a sermon. You know, it's, we're good. It's going to be good. You know, we're, we're set. But I kept, they kept reading it. He's like, he should talk about Nehemiah. And here's some thoughts and insights that, that I, just, I just saw in them. And, and I was like, oh, man, this is really good. And it, and it connects so well with what we talked about last week, which we'll talk about here in terms of the story of where we left off at the book of Isaiah. I was like, I called him up. I was like in the middle of the work day. I was like, Chris, you punk. I got to use this. Like, this I was like, so I'm not going to like totally scrap my other sermon. You're going to get it at some point in the future. I can't tell you when. Um, <laughs> but a, a lot of today, a lot of today, uh, the genesis of today's message is, is from Chris. So we're grateful for your message and a lot of the, the thoughts there. So we're grateful for your ministry in that, in that Chris. Um, today is Serve Day, and it's a day in which we highlight the needs and opportunities of the church in the hopes that you'll consider joining a team. And of course, as Cindy was mentioning, this is all the more important, all the more exciting, given the news that we announced last week that we're getting ready to launch a second gathering on Sunday morning. So we could, we could use you. Uh, there's a need, but there's also a lot of opportunities to jump in. Uh, there's a new thing in the life of this church. And so we're celebrating that and we're preparing for that. Cindy mentioned the three ways that you can be involved, that we're encouraging each other this month as we lead into that, how we can be praying, how we can be serving, how we can be bringing. And today, of course, we are highlighting how we can be serving. The context of the book of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Persia. It really does pick up from where we looked at last week, if you're here, when we looked at the book of Isaiah where God was telling his people through the prophet Isaiah to turn back to him. So for years, for centuries, God's people had just been shunning God and his ways and just deciding to live the life they wanted to live. Just worshiping other gods, false idols, all that sort of thing, just doing their own thing, living selfishly towards each other, living selfishly towards others who would come into their midst. And God, through his prophets, including Isaiah, were saying, come back to me. And by the way, if you don't come back to me, eventually I'm going to release my favor that I've had upon you and let, let, let some of the, the warring nations, the conquering nations around you, conquer you and take you into exile. And so for years, for centuries, sadly, unfortunately, the people of God didn't listen. And so finally, God did remove his favor from them for a time, and they were conquered. They were conquered by the Babylonians who, by the way, were in turn conquered by the Persians. A lot of conquering going on in those days. Um, but the people of God were in Persia at this time, and Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. This is about 70 years or so after the exile. And so in chapters 1 and 2, which, by the way, we studied a few months ago uh, in our current groups. If you were there, you, you'll remember that. Uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Nehemiah are kind of setting the scene for our text today. Nehemiah hears that the people of God, there's a, there's a remnant back specifically in Jerusalem that are in trouble. So back here in Persia, he hears that there's a remnant people in Jerusalem who are in trouble specifically with their city walls just in complete ruins. Now, as we know, in ancient times, city walls were everything in terms of protection. Like even, even a strong, healthy, vibrant community needed city walls to protect themselves, let alone just a, a, a remnant people who were just barely hanging on to begin with. So Nehemiah saw the writing on the wall, and he understood that if something wasn't to happen, they, they were done for. And so Nehemiah 1, upon hearing this news, we see that he just goes into a time of mourning. He's weeping. 
And he's just crying out to God in prayer. God, would you, would you deliver your people? By the way, as you've promised, you said that you were going to send them into exile, but you said you were also going to deliver them. Would you do that? And in chapter 2, we see that God responds to that prayer by giving Nehemiah the favor of the king of Persia. Uh, the king of Persia gives Nehemiah the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem, and by the way, with a lot of supplies, to rebuild those walls. So that's where we pick up, really, in our story today with, with, in Nehemiah 3. But before, before we get to, to our text, Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, and in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he's trying to rally the people as he shares his plan to rebuild the wall, and he says this, Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they, the people, responded, saying, let us rise up and build. In short, the people recognized God was at work and they were rising to the occasion. Uh, we want to make some uh, observations here that I believe help us understand the importance of serving as we consider the serve day and, and, and your part uh, potentially in this. So a couple observations about serving from Nehemiah 3. Number one, we see that God is honored by a community of diverse vocational backgrounds working together for his purposes. Uh, you'll see uh, a list of people, again, not just in uh, verses uh, 1 through 12, but throughout the, the entire chapter, uh, a group of people of, made up of priests, made up of goldsmiths and perfume makers, merchants, rulers, daughters, just all kinds of people with all kinds of work-based background coming together for this project. One of my favorite times of the week is coming in on a Sunday morning. Uh, I usually come in around 9.30. I do my sermon prep elsewhere. I get back and wash up. And then I, then I come in around 9.30 when, when the teams are basically midstream serving. And it's just such a fun time because I just get to see all the different folks who are on the team serving. It's a, it's a really beautiful picture of, of some of what we're talking about here. For instance, there are, there are uh, retired and active CXOs moving furniture, <laughs> driving trailers, making coffee. We have retired and active police officers on our operation teams or on our security team. Um, we have techies and uh, more techies and more techies <laughs> and a couple more techies helping out in all sorts of areas. We love you techies. And, and there, we have doctors, nurses, teachers, stay-at-home parents, designers. You, just go, you can go on in terms of the diversity of, of vocational uh, backgrounds that's here, all coming together to make church happen. I love how this text uh, highlights the fact that families were serving together. Uh, it says that, uh, you know, a, a couple of these folks were, were serving with the help of their daughters, verse 12. Uh, one of the things that brings me a lot of joy is seeing kids serving with their parents. We have one gal who's on the hospitality team, and every once in a while I'll bump into her. She's setting up coffee or setting up communion for us. And uh, while she's serving, often she'll have her toddler, like, connected to her body in some, like, carrier. It's pretty cool. He's just in there just having fun, kicking his feet. He's, he's a real cheerful little, little guy. But what a beautiful picture of someone serving together, even with their, their kid, although, you know, it's probably more for moral support at that age. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, did, we held our baptisms, and it was a father-son tag team who did that. Uh, one of the guys on our, in, in current teams was serving in that area, helping make the baptismal work for us. Uh, we have a portable baptistry that comes in, 
And uh, I love how they gave so much care to how warm it was going to be. I very much appreciate uh, that point. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, in all these things portable, it's playing a little bit of Tetris to set these things up and then making sure the water didn't get this. Uh, these guys were, were working together. It was such a beautiful picture of, of serving God together. Or I think of a gal and her son who started coming just about a month ago, maybe two months ago. They arrived early one Sunday morning. It was their first time here. And before even hardly knowing anybody, they were just like, can we help? Can we serve? And they were putting little things out on the chairs. And now he, who's also in current teams, is, is helping out with audio. And she's helping out in different areas almost, almost every single Sunday since that, that day they first came. Um, there are all sorts of things that when you see them, if you were here at that time, you just kind of step back and reflect on it. They, 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 they can't help but bring a smile to your face. How much more then must our Heavenly Father see all this work being done for Him by a people of diverse vocational backgrounds be honored by it? He's honored by our service to Him as we bring all our gifts and, and backgrounds together for that purpose. So we see that he's honored in this way. We also see that God is honored by a diversity of the work itself. Uh, there's a diversity in the work itself. Uh, that's what's actually really interesting to me about, about this text is how all these folks, all these different groups of folks are stepping up to serve in areas that aren't their specialty, not their area of expertise. For instance, you have priests building the wall. How did that work? I mean, I'm, I'm not a priest. Pastors aren't priests. But in terms of like similarities with this list of people, I probably identify most with like the priests th back then. Cindy asks me to fix things around the house all the time, and it is brutal. I mean, first of all, it's just, it just, I'll watch like three hours of YouTube tutorial videos and still be at a complete loss. You give me a hammer, I'm just, and it's not for lack of like wanting, I really want to be handy. I just, I'm just not. Okay, granted, the culture was probably a little bit more hands-on back then, but you got to figure these priests didn't know what they were doing. And yet, what did, what did that probably look like? They were probably out there like, hey, we want to step up here and help in any way we can. Would you like get us pointed in the right direction? Do you swing the hammer like this? Is that how it works? You know, and just working that way. I, as a little side note, I thought it was interesting in verses 1 and 2, and it highlights the priest. It actually says of, of them, and, and no others actually are doing this, at least as, as Nehemiah records it. It says the priests are actually also out there in addition to the repairs and building, dedicating the part of the wall which we know is going on there. The priests are like, well, we, we might not know how to swing these hammers all that well, but we can pray for this wall. Let's pray for the wall as they, as they were setting up. The priests were out there. Perfume makers were out there. Uh, if that doesn't make the point, I don't, I don't know what does. Uh, all, all these guys out there making uh, repairs, people stepping up and meeting the need. Now, is it good to have people sp specialize in serving in areas where they are especially gifted and passionate about? Of course, okay, of course. It would have been great to have a whole list of professional builders here doing professional work on the wall, um, but that wasn't available there. Um, what we do see is God is honored when his people approach serving from the perspective of, hey, where's the need? You know, from the very beginning, current would not exist, exist if not for people like you stepping up saying, hey, where's the need? For instance, our truck drivers. I mean, I just think about the story going back all the way to being a little small group around like, you know, a living room. And we found out that we needed to drive a truck and trailer. And we were like, who drives a truck? And there was only one truck owner of like about 40 people, about 10 owners of Priuses. Okay. And we're like, uh-oh, what are we going to do here? Someone has to step up and meet the need. <laughs> like, who's going to do this? And, um, and it, you know, and, and so people stepped up. Uh, there's, it's funny, someone's, someone visited one time uh, from Oklahoma, like, do you drive a truck? 
You drive, and she's like, yeah, I drive a truck, and she's driving a truck for a while. Um, we've had people, we've had people, you know the type of folks, and it's not just in church, this is all, all throughout life or in the workplace, wherever. You know the type of folks that if there's ever a need that needs to be met, you just find them there? You know what I mean? Like there's just people where it's like if you need, if you need a truck driver, they're, they're driving the truck next week or something like that. Or you need someone who's out there doing this or that. You, you see them there. Uh, folks who just especially have a heart of, hey, where is the need? Put, put, put me there. Um, I'd venture to say, well, let, let me put it this way. I, I can't help but think maybe God is especially honored by folks having a willingness of heart to step up and say, where can I be used? Where can you put me? Even if it might not be in our areas of expertise. Because here's something else that we, that we see. Um, as a community coming together to build and rebuild a wall, so to speak, uh, every section was, is, is vital. Uh, this is an interesting insight that, that Chris had that I thought that was interesting. Every section is vital. So you think about walls. Walls are completely and utterly useless if there's a section or part missing. Or even if that section is like weak in that part. They're, they're just, the enemy, if they want to get you, are just going to pour through that one spot. It doesn't matter about the other spot. So every part is incredibly vital. Every ministry here uh, at the church collectively is vital. Uh, one of the things I, I just want to convey uh, to the extent I, I can is, is that it's, it's not about, it's not all about being on the stage, you know, preaching the sermon or leading the worship with, with instruments. Um, is preaching the gospel and God's word incredibly, incredibly important? Yes. Is playing music and leading others into worship very vital? Yes. But what are the sermons before the sermon? What's the sermon before the sermon? A warm welcome? a warm and welcoming space, good coffee. Uh, I'll never forget how one of our, our friends uh, ended up putting his faith in Jesus here at Current, and we traced it back in part, in big part, to his finding out that we serve Phil's coffee. He heard that we serve Phil's coffee, and he said, oh, okay, I'll see you Sunday. And he came and he heard the gospel. And he, by the way, his family also ended up putting their faith in Jesus. Hospitality team, do you hear that? I mean, do you hear that? There's ministry there as we set up coffee, of all things. Um, as we set up a welcoming space. I used to think, I used to think that uh, ambience and, you know, environment decorations is not that important. Probably because I don't really have an eye for it. I'm not really gifted, <laughs> I mean, frankly. It's incredibly important. Uh, you guys know this. I mean, take, for instance, if you were to walk into McDonald's for dinner versus like a nice sit-down restaurant, you're having two different experiences in those scenarios, right? Even before, by the way, you order the food, let alone eat the food, you're having two complete different experiences. And that's not to say McDonald's is worse or better. But it's just to say you're having two different experiences. You on the hospitality team, you, make, you do such a great job of setting up this place uh, for us to worship and to hear about God. We thank you. And then the ops teams, you guys do a great job, and furniture teams do a great job of setting up and executing that vision and setting it up for us, without which we would not be able to, to do this. The way that you set this up week in and week out, laying the groundwork for what we're able to do, the way you set up the kids' space, which, is, which leads me to be able to say, in the kids' teams, you guys are incredibly vital as you teach and, and raise up the next generation, teaching them about Jesus and the gospel. And I already, I've already talked about the, the trailer team. I mean, could you imagine if the trailer didn't, didn't show up one day? Um, you can pray. That doesn't happen. Remember, that was one of the things you can do is pray. Uh, but we're so thankful for the trailer team. Actually, can we give the trailer team a hand? 
Everybody deserves a hand, but I want to especially call you guys out because you guys, what you guys do is so unseen. You guys are up early in the morning or after we all go, and you guys are doing a tremendous ministry. Uh, we love you guys. We, we, we're so grateful for your ministry. Uh, you know, the welcome and usher teams are creating warm and welcoming envi- uh, a warm and welcoming environment before we even get going. Um, I've shared this story with that team uh, and this story from the pulpit like a, a while ago, but I've had a friend share how she's come to put her faith in Jesus, and she traced it back to someone put, uh, smiling at her. Well, that's an interesting thought. Someone ultimately found Jesus, put her faith in Jesus because someone smiled at her. She had been going through a divorce at the time. She didn't even believe in God, no church background, just kind of in a hard period in her life, just kind of shot up a prayer, God, if you even exist, I'm going to try this church thing. Would you show up in that? She went to a church, and sadly, no one looked at her, said hi or anything, and so she went home kind of discouraged. Next week, she figured, I'd try it again, went to another church, same thing, kind of discouraged. Tried, did that a couple of times, and then finally was like, you know what, God, if you're even there, I'm going to try this one more time. Give us one more shot. She came and she ended up, someone ended up smiling at her, welcoming her, connecting her to other people, and she got to hear the gospel that day. And then a couple, you know, kept coming back, hearing the gospel, and ultimately she put her faith in Jesus. Uh, that's a sermon before the sermon, so to speak. Every ministry is vital. The security team, you guys keep us safe. I imagine a lot of people here don't even know that you exist, which is kind of cool. You know, it's part of their, I mean, unless you've seen them walking around with their, their, their shirts. What, what's cool is part of their vision is to have a boring day, you know, right? They want to have a day where it's like, you know, that's their vision. They're doing that. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, the audio team, the visual team, as you guys serve, you guys could show how vital you are by muting me right now. It's like, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I get for, uh, we love you guys. I'm going to buy you lunch. Um, every section of the, wall, of the wall, every section of his work, of his ministry is vital. God is honored by the diversity of his work. Um, did you notice uh, one phrase that was repeated over and over again? Uh, we see it. It's repeated throughout the whole chapter, but here in verse 3 it said, um, they laid the beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. You know what the, live, the New Living Current translation of that could be? They laid the stage, the pipe and drape. Uh, they ran the cords uh, week in and week out for God's glory and His work. Church family, we are so blessed by the work that you do, the service that you, you provide to allow us to do what we do. That we come, we get to hear about God, and we learn about Him, grow in Him. For those who've never experienced Him or know Him, maybe have never experienced church, your service allows folks like that to come and hear about Him, even, even, even uh, put their faith in Him. We're blessed by the service that you do. But what this text is showing is that even more importantly, God is blessed. God is honored by your work. He is honored by all the diverse background of workers coming together. He is honored by the diversity of the work. And then finally, what we see here is while he is honored by the workers, while he is honored by the work, we also see that he honors all the work done for him. He honors the workers and their work. That, of course, is a big point of Nehemiah 3. This list in the Bible that's taking some real estate in God's word of all these people. And, and, and by the way, not just their names, their family names and their contributions just like enumerated. 
Uh, that's why you have Merimoth of, of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired this section, and Joadiah, and Paseah, and Meshulam, son of Besodeah, laid beams and put doors and their bolts and bars in place. Gibeon and Mizpah, Uziel and Hananiah made repairs. Hanun and the residents of Zenoah, they built and put doors. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. Um, God is honoring them and their work. He notices it. He recognizes it. It's also worth noting here that God noticed and recognized those who did not work. Um, did you see that in verse, verse 5? One particular section was being repaired by the men of Tekoa. It says here, But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Uh, isn't that interesting? Uh, I think we can imagine what the nobles were thinking at that time. right? They're, the nobles were probably thinking, Oh, you know what? This works beneath me or I'm, I'm too important, or I'm too busy, or I can't be bothered with this, or others will do it. Um, and God is making it clear they were missing out. By the way, he, he makes it clear in a very gracious way. He's not like saying, and here are the nobles' names and their addresses where you can find them and let them know, you know, people of God, why, why, why you're upset with No, he doesn't do that. He just says, hey, he just notices it. Um, God honors all work done for him, all work, big and small. There's places here, like in verse 13, where it says, Hunun of the residents of, and the residents of Zonah uh, 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 rebuilt and repaired a thousand cubits of wall. That's about 1,500 feet worth of wall. That's a lot of wall. Uh, there's other places where it talks about people making repairs uh, for their district. I mean, the dis districts were obviously, you know, big, big areas of land. There's people where Nehemiah calls out they were making repairs as far as, and it lists off towers that were across the way. God honors all those big contributions. Those are, those are big spaces. At the same time, God also honored the folks who were making repairs in much smaller areas. For instance, you see in verse 23, beyond them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house. You know, there were some teams who were out there doing 1,500 feet worth of wall, and there's a couple of dudes who were just out there like, hey, we're just going to do this section. And what we see in this text is not, and man, these guys should have been doing more. Or, and this is wonderful, and these people are, yeah. It doesn't say that. What we see here is no sense of comparison. All we see here is these guys are being honored by having their contributions put into the Word of God. The point is clear. God honors all work done for him. And here's a way we could think about it. Could you imagine having your name in the Bible and a list of your contributions done for God? But that's how God sees you. Um, there's something about Jesus that I think we so often can overlook or not really consider. That Jesus, for most of his adult life, was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter, meaning... He had the trade of building and repairing things. He did that longer than he was out there preaching or performing miracles. Um, and I, I think that has to tell us something. That has to tell us, at minimum, that God is honored in all work and honors all work for him. Now, the application of this, let's just be clear, is not just for Sunday mornings here at Current as we go to two services, okay? Or the application of all of this, that God is honored by work and, and, and honors work, is not just about in church, whether that's on a Sunday morning or in the middle of the week. It's all work. It's all work that we put our hands to for His glory or for the and, and for the betterment of society. And so I think 1 Corinthians 10, 31 uh, puts it really clearly this way. It says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, because God is honored by your work for him. 
big and small. In church family, on this serve day, we see that God was honored by a people who put themselves to work, but they were putting themselves to work for what is temporary, what was temporary. But we get to work for what is eternal. And God is moving. We shared last week that in 2019 alone, by God's grace, 25 adults that we, that we know of made first-time faith decisions. I hear it current. We praise God for, for that. That's in the Bay Area. That's in the Silicon Valley. The church is growing. We're running out of space. In an area that's known in, in among a number of circles as a graveyard for new church startups, we don't say that to pat ourselves on the back. We say that to say, thank you, Lord, for your grace and, your, and what you're doing. We, 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 we recognize that the kids' rooms are beyond capacity. Um, all these wonderful things. It's so exciting what God is doing in the life of the church here. And we want you to be a part of it. And what's happening is as we have these two services that we're getting ready, these two gatherings that we're getting, getting ready to launch, the second one, there's great opportunity for you to jump in. For, for you to be a part of it and, and be a part of this multiplying effort that we, that we see God doing here. For you to be a part of making room for our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors to come and hear about Jesus and grow in him. Uh, but we can't do it without you. Uh, this last week, on Wednesday, Cindy had the teams come over, all the teams that uh, kind of oversee the Sunday morning operations come over and just prepare for today, serve day, and also prepare uh, for, for two services. And because Cindy was leading the meeting and it was, it was late at night, I was on kid duty and it was at her house. So I was trying to get the kids down for bed and all that sort of thing. And uh, you, you know what you, you, you heard from start to finish in this meeting was Laughter. These teams were just having a blast, just planning and getting ready for today and to serve. There's just tons of laughter. And, and, I, and I mentioned that I was putting the kids down because I was trying to get the kids down. Everybody just kept laughing. I'm like, man, let, come on, guys. Stop having fun over there, all right? Like, let me get the kids down. And people would laugh. And, my, and Caleb and Maddie would be like, hey, can we go over there? I'm like, no. It's like, I'm, there's so much laughter, so much joy. Is there an investment being made? Of course. But there's also so much joy in what God is doing. It's, it's so fun because we get to roll up our sleeves and serve the Lord in community together. Um, the team leads will be out there in the hall today ready to chat with you. Would you visit a table uh, or two on your way out today? Um, I just, you know, our culture here, just to be clear, is not one of trying to strong arm you onto a team or perhaps worse, guilt you onto a team. That's just that's not what we're trying to do. The team is just going to be out there trying to uh, give you information. Like if you go and talk to them, you're not signing yourself up in permanent ink, okay? Um, it's just a way to get to know uh, what's going on and where you could be a part of that. But I hope you're encouraged and you hear some fun uh, ways that you might be able to step in and, and be a part of things. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's the point. That's the hope. Uh, God is doing something really special and fun here uh, that is, as, as we see it. And we're excited and expectant for what's to come. So in the same way that God's people then responded, may we respond by saying today, let us rise up and build. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus came saying, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as ransom for many. Really, we serve because you first served us. In making a way back into relationship with you possible. And so any service we do here on a Sunday or throughout the week is really just in response to that. 
And we thank you for bringing us together as a community to serve you together. We pray that you would go before us as we get ready to launch this second gathering. Would you protect and bless the efforts? And would you put it on our hearts to join you in the work that you've put before us? We dedicate all this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.